when you think about the storytelling. Brands are narratives. Brands are stories. The same way that products are stories, store experience is a story. That's all. We are storytelling animals. We process information through stories. We make sense of the world through stories. That's what culture is. So culture is one giant story with a thousands and thousands sub stories. So in that sense, it, like brand doesn't exist without story that merge with all other stories. And if you're part, if you're not part of someone else's story, then you're in trouble. You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing that, the best conversations we've had with significant brand builders, experts, and communicators. The people that we've encountered as we go about our work of making people care by creating impactful brands. Season three is focused on unpacking the topic of branding. We talk to people who design brands, own brands, build brands, and even those who hire for brands. We explore what brands look like and how they behave across a wide spectrum, from world-renowned brands with massive budgets like Spotify, to companies that are making big waves on small budgets. If you're looking for insights on the best ways to invest in and build your brand, this is the season for you. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Anna Angelic. Named one of the world's most influential CMOs by Forbes, she is the Chief Brand Officer of Banana Republic and author of The Business of Aspiration. She specializes in building brand-driven modern businesses, and you can find out way more on her popular weekly newsletter, The Sociology of Business. She's a doctor of sociology and has worked at the world's top brands and advertising agencies. We talk about how brands are all about creating desire, the fact that business objectives and brand objectives have to align, and she shares her four C's framework, content, curation, collaboration, and community. I especially like her take on collaboration and how it should stretch brands into completely new spaces. Enjoy. Anna, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me and I'm, I'm glad we made it happen. Yes, um, uh, I'm, I'm many things, but one of them is I'm persistent. So I'm, I'm glad we're here. I am really glad you're persistent because our <laughs> back and forth in terms of scheduling had nothing to do with my desire or like desire not like I really wanted to be on your podcast and I believe that after months <laughs> we did we did manage to connect so let's start talking cool um so so I mean you've you're very seemingly a very busy person I mean you 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 busy, you know, managing kind of the Banana Republic brand. You've got your own kind of organization. You're publishing articles all the time. You're an author. Like, how do you sort of balance all of this, you know, work and, and all of these things in the, the crazy life that you, you've set up for yourself? I think that balance is a very deceiving word. And I'll tell you why. Because we're all like, oh, but you need to have this this balance, this balance. And then when we don't have balance, then we feel bad. And we, we think that we are failing in, in, a, in a way to achieve that balance. So for me, uh, balance is almost part of the same coin as busyness is because mm. it's 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 um it's it's one thing on a to-do list must have balance you know and it's one <laughs> another achievement that we put for ourselves so i really don't think about it like 
at all in terms of like oh I I need to rest now or I need it's it's more it's more do what you feel like what you like doing and obviously we all need to need downtime and to unplug but it's it's way less strategic than we present to ourselves so that's how i approach uh, if i don't write my creative uh, there is there is a strong creative tension so it's almost like a release you need to you need to do things in order to feel good it's like writing like creating like, I like that. so yeah so so you've done a lot of work in in kind of brands and in creating desirability in products um like how do you go about creating that how do you like how do you think about this when you are, are setting these brands up or revitalizing them well it's a, it's a team effort so whatever i say it's not going to be a reflection of the the full picture because mm. one thing is really having a very very clear vision so know what you're working towards. Know why this brand exists in the world. Know why this, what 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 does this brand promise to its customers? What its role in their lives? What how can it sort of connect with culture? How it how is going to tap into certain motivations and interests and passions and needs? How is it different then, or not necessarily different, but like what is that that value proposition that uh, the combination of the value proposition that is defensible so you you combine a lot of brand uh, objectives and a lot of commercial objectives and but you need to have a north star you need to know why are you here and where you're going and also where you came from and what mm. you want what you don't want so that clarity the clarity is uh, and simplicity of the direction of the vision is paramount because every single team member from product design to merchandising to styling to store design to visual merchandising to marketing every every everyone needs to move in the same direction and speaks the same language through their own mm-hmm. filters so i think that is really i think it's very underestimated how much of a team effort it is no i mean i fully agree with you i think I think when you can see it, when everybody, you know, all the way from like the architect to the product designer, to the the window dresser, to the, like everyone kind of understands that kind of singular, clear direction or vision. And they're, they're obviously free to bring their own sort of skill set to the, the, the project, but their, their job is not to change that direction. It's to sort of align the work that they're doing to that. Absolutely. Now, how do you, I mean, how do you go about, like, do you create that? Are you given that? Like, how do you, how do you sort of see this emerging for, for the, the brands that you work on? See what emerging? This, this singular thought, this, this kind of North Star that you, you talked about. You have to, I mean, that is the, that, that is the magic part because it's very clear to say, Hey, like, uh, this is the aesthetic that we want to go after. This is a very clear aesthetic that, that we want to do. And this is sort of the, the styling guide or the aesthetic guide, but then you, you have to codify that in a specific manifesto in a sense, this is what the, like for a retail company, for a fashion company, this is what the look is. And that looks has these characteristics and it takes from these 
sort of historical currents and expresses them in in these five ways. If if you're talking about about the new banana republic look, that that means like hey, you combine the the American look, which is something that emerged in the 30s and 40s, where women are more working out of home because people were like men, they're fighting in a war, so they were going to work, and all of a sudden they didn't need that like Christian Dior cinched waist and you know like I can't move corset. It's more about this like movable functional clothes that are made of like mm. very very easy materials that are flattering there was a lot of draping and that that you can wear during the day and but also in the night so like multifunctionality was really key simplicity and clarity of lines you combine that you combine with an element of the of the banana republic history when the founders were like upcycling military clothing and 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 turning it into safari garb and then you have the 1990s in the workwear so you kind of like mix those trees and say yes only this brand can really own this but you have an argument you have a rationale Mm. you have a historical sort of um uh, backing for the story for 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 what you're doing and because people are not buying products people are buying stories so that is Mm. very important to understand what is your story why would people buy into your story they may not believe it but they buy into it's possible like I don't buy into flying cars in 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 what's the in what's the name of that iconic? I'm like blanking out on on the movie name with Harrison Ford and Android from the eighties, Blade Runner. So in Blade Runner, I don't buy yes, that, that. Like yeah, Blade Runner. I don't buy that that the flying cars, but I definitely buy into the premise of. AI and Android mm. and the love of it, like and the entire story. So I don't need to believe that there are flying cars, but I need to buy into the story. So the same thing is is really here. It's like you need to buy into the story in order to be loyal to the brand, in order to accept the brand and be excited about the brand. So I like that thought. You don't have to believe, but you need to buy it. And you need to you need to see that it's possible or that that it could come to life. Now, now, when we had our pre-call, you, you talked about a four C's framework, um, you know, and, and you sort of visibly lit up and got very excited about it when you were talking about it. I'd love for you to share that with, um, with our listeners today. Yeah, absolutely. I think you got more excited than I did because I, <laughs> <laughs> you keep asking about it. But <laughs> I am happy. I'm really happy to share. And it's uh, it's basically something I developed, I think, a couple of years ago. Because when you when you look at like you know in technology, you have full stack, and not to go to operational, but in terms of like brand building, you kind of look like before you had the brand book and the brand system, and the logo was very important, Co- color palette was important, the font and all. It, it's all important. Like still it's still there but you know what like the the font and the logo they, they don't build the brand even the brand name doesn't build the brand yes it's mm. you know it's great when it, when 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 the name is great is great but even with a shit name if you if you hit that that like one like i don't know something in people's minds you can even like you know, like look at Disney. What does Disney mean? Disney means now amazing things because millions and millions of association over the years, years and years through experiences, through those, through those entertainment, amusement parks and the movies that gave that name equity before it was name of some guy. Mm. 
so in that sense, I that that's what led me to really thinking about like, well, the, how brands are created in a dialogue and how brands are created in the wild, how they're created in the in the world, really. And for me, that was basically you start from from uh, content and you say, hey, how does what what is the content that we create at the intersection of audience interests, cultural interests, and brand interests? Like those three, how mm. do we create a content that has editorial point of view and that really tells a story, not just about ourselves, but about the time we live in and about, about the people, humanity, basically, not just like our customers, but overall find one angle and, and, and really own it. And then how does that content deliver value even before people buy a single product or use a service from a brand? So you have Aesop, they have all your storytellers and you pass by their stores and you stand there and you admire and you may not buy anything, but you almost mm. like pass by a gallery, you look at the beauty, you look at something that, that has some story. Or like even if you go and look at the Goop, there's so much content there, it's like a lot of woo-woo and new age, and blah, but you don't need to buy any of the expensive stuff. You can just read some of that stuff, you can find the recipes and it's more about not only telling you what lifestyle to have, but enabling you to have that lifestyle. Mm. That's what content does. And then the second thing is curation, which is I wrote a lot about curation and why curators are the, are the new influencers. And it really boils down to asking, how do we amplify our cultural influence by joining forces with other things that are audience is interested in or with other things that like urban customer or suburban customer is interested in and when we when we collaborate it's not really like a brand gloss it's 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 a transformation of the brand operating system because your mm. awareness strategy your customer acquisition strategy your retention strategy starts to be tied with that brand collaboration and your business strategy is tied to brand collaboration when you create new products and you distribute them and you market them differently. So that's the second one. The third one. Mm, Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm interested. So, so, so we'll we'll come back to the list now, but collaboration, we are sort of living in this age where uh, I think lots of people have this concept of what collaboration is and there've been some, amazing collaborations and there have been some fairly questionable collaborations like what do you think is the essence of a like a really good brand collaboration something that's that builds in that meaning and helps those kind of consumers versus something where someone just is trying to you can feel they're just trying to buy some cool or they're just trying to buy some audience or some reach and the the collaboration isn't really a, a deep or fundamental one well, that is something that we would need to send your your listeners to my newsletter to read in more detail. And in the meantime, I can just uh, like maybe on a top level answer this question because that is something that I've been thinking a lot about, mostly in the sense that mm. when when you think what is the collaborations are not really brand extensions, and I think it's a big mistake to. Th- treat them as as such because if you think about brand extension everything needs to be very consistent and when you think about best collaborations like Karen Preston and Moon Toothpaste or Mucinex and Steven Allen or when you look like at, at, at something that's like completely on the borderline of kitsch it makes no sense it's, it's a replica of something like real 
that is when you really start to understand mm. how this culture operates in that incongruity is paramount because that is what is attention grabbing that is what contextualizes the brand for for the new audience if you do things that are super consistent with your brand you're always going to hit on the same audience if you do something crazy you're going to become part of cultural conversation for one and the second one you will attract those who will never consider you otherwise and i think that is the key for collaborations is really Mm. going outside of your usual framework Mm, very interesting i mean i was looking at the the all birds and adidas sort of collaboration that they've done which which i find quite interesting that there's this big kind of established company you know, kind of leveraging the 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 ground that the small sort of upstart has has created, and they kind of both of them are using each other in an interesting way. So Allbirds is using it to become a household, you know, like more of a household name and less kind of in the niche sustainability realm. And Adidas is using it to almost evolve their brand image and what they're kind of working in, and it's part of all of this sort of kind of new age thinking that they're, they're doing on that brand. Right, but that's also, that's very connected with who their brand is. So that's more of a brand extension. Mm. So they're like, hey, we want to stay relevant. We want to rec- tell, uh, like really like uh, stay at the top of mind. So we're going to partner, but like at the end of the day, uh, people are buying sneakers. So they're buying sneakers. Mm. But when they do something like Heron Preston and Moon Toothpaste, it's like, okay, so I'm buying the toothpaste by Heron Preston, who is a fashion designer. Like, what am I really buying here? I'm not buying a toothpaste. Mm. Like, I'm buying a piece of art. I'm like, this brand is completely, both brands are recontextualized. They're put in the domain of art because Mm. when you buy art, you don't think, what is it good for? How am I going to use it? You buy it because of its meaning, if, and its exchange value and its sort of cultural currency. So that was my segue. We can go back to point number three on the four C's. Oh, right. I forgot I was talking about it. Sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have we have then community because the most successful brands really piggyback on already existing communities. And why is that important? It's when, for example, when we uh, launched Vintage Shop for Banana Republic, there is like so much interest over like Banana Republic is 40-year-old brand. And when they started, they had this like, they're almost like, uh, uh, like the mother of streetwear. When you go to the archives, you have all those t-shirts. They have like this crazy, logos and crazy prints and crazy images of like planes and you know like jeeps and you know just it they just feel so modern you open the archive and you're like holy shit this was from 1978 you know like and so in that sense a lot of people held on to that uh, those those products and that idea and that idea becomes like you know becomes like folklore and becomes a story as the time goes by so there's lo- a lot of social communities like abandoned republic or banana republic vintage that are the stylists that, that those in the know are using so we're like okay great we're going to tap into that community of people who were kids or who were in high school around when banana republic used to be really really cool and and mm. we're going to remind them and tap into that nostalgia that's what i was saying before in terms of brand building, how you really need to understand the cultural moment and if nostalgia is really big and if people feel safe in the past because of everything that's going on with COVID and climate and all of the climate change and all of that. It's more about how do you capitalize then on that and see, oh, so we have those communities. We know that they're definitely going to be interested in this. And then you go and you see, well, like, 
like what else like who else and we're like well well gen z really likes thrift shops and they really like selling to each other and it's all about for them like vintage finds and all social currency is really related not like about the spending money but about that like resale shopping and and having a taste to know what to buy so we're like okay we're gonna hit on those two targets and they already exist so we we absolutely hit on them and it was in that sense it was strategically a no-brainer that mm. that we can that we can tap into those passions, and that is exactly what the strategy is with the community. How do you tap in the already existing passion of your audience? So the same way that Patagonia was like, we are about protecting the great outdoors because, like, look, if there is no great outdoors, there is nothing we can sell for, you know. So obviously, climate mm. is very important for us. And they had a community of outdoor enthusiasts for many, many, many years and decades before it became fashionable to be sustainable, and. Mm. Then, you know, like you think about that or like more modern brands like Rafa Cycling Club, all the organized races because they believe that cycling improves the world and it's good for humanity. And there are people who believe the same thing. So it's kind of you build upon passion, you build upon interest, your common cause, common values or common interests. Mm, I think that's very interesting. It's also, I think the concept of community is such a daunting one because you you can't just set it up and then leave it alone it's something that needs to be kind of generated and pushed and and continually done and it's almost difficult to the brands to do that so by finding other people who are already doing that they're already managing and driving their own communities because of something that interests them it becomes an interesting or or a kind of mutually beneficial um exchange yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the that's the keyword. You're like, if you start building community from scratch, it's first of all you don't know if it's going to succeed because you can be like, hey, hey, kids, I'm new, I'm cool, come hang, you know. And that is like, okay, yeah, maybe they will, maybe they don't. Like, but like, if if you build upon what communities have already organically been created, then it's the success. The, the chances of success are much higher, especially if there is that alignment in values and in interest. It doesn't mean you come in. And you're kind of like, oh, now I care about you, but you care. It's, it's, you can't hack that process. You can't hack. You can't, there is no shortcuts. Community building takes a really long time. Like even in my original example for Banana mm-hmm. Republic, we're talking about people who are in their 50s because they were like in the in the 70s, they, they were in the late 70s, they were maybe 12, 13, you know, like, and it's that that nostalgia later from the 80s. So it takes a long time to, for that affinity to be created. You Again, with, with all human relationships, mm. it takes time. And in that sense, you sort of go slow. Even when you think about Glossier, for example, you sort of, first of all, there was that blog and then people were sharing what they're thinking and then the products came, but the same community stayed. Or even going back to Rafa, like people are going to go cycling and they're going to like race each other and they're going to like share the road, you know, recommendations anyway. If you sort of help them do that mm. more efficiently, then it would make sense. So in as in any relationship, there needs to be some sort of value exchange. Not transactional, obviously, mm. social, cultural, personal, psychological. Yeah, I think, I mean, as you're talking there, I was just reminded of how the the Michelin star kind of got set up is is they were looking to help people who are doing road trips already and they wanted to help them um enjoy the road more because obviously that led to to more tires and and that sort of 
spawned an entire thing that is now completely separate from the original brand that, that set it up. Agreed. I think there are a lot of examples. And I think that it's just that brands sort of forgot about that people are communities. They forgot that people <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like in yeah. marketing, it started like past 50 years. It's all about like individuals and targeting individuals. And, you know, like, oh, this persona, like Nicole is XYZ. She likes this. She goes that. It's like, no, 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 no. That's a composite. That's a community. Because what the most important human characteristic is, is to show off. In, in front of others, to signal your status in front of others, to measure your, yourself mm. against others in a certain way. Very rarely, we, we don't exist in a vacuum. We are influenced by others and we influence others. So in that sense, it's like community mm. is really the core unit of marketing, not the individual. And what is the fourth C in the framework? I think I went through all of them because we talked about collaboration, curation, uh, and then content and communities. I think we went through all of that. I just like didn't number it right. I <laughs> love <laughs> um, you. You said something in our in our pre call that that really stuck with me is that you were saying that the essence of kind of really good branding or really marketing is something that invites many different actions. Can can you talk a little bit about that idea of inviting many different actions? I think I, th I was talking about having many entry points into the brand. I'm not sure what you know, like what what I meant by many different actions, but what I did like probably had in mind is that if you as a brand you need to create many different doors, many different entry points. And that means that if we overvalue Again, consistency. It's good to be consistent, but for the same thing, like at the same time, it's much more important to be adaptable and to be fluid in a sense that and nimble and say offer different things to different people all under the same hey aesthetic territory or, or the brand purpose. You can't have like oh like it was we, mm used to be like, no, you have a single-minded brand promise. Yeah, that's true. But like how that promise flexes across different communities or or is, is something that's going to make or break the brand. Okay, I love that. Like you don't offer as a fashion brand, you don't offer one look. You you create many doors in, in a sense that, yes, I can imagine myself wearing this white t-shirt with, I don't know, like leather pants or with a really with a ripped jeans or with like depending who you are, you are going to create your own look. The time and the day when brands dictated anything and when editor, you know, that's sort of gone. So what brands can do is just just offer as many offerings and and, and, and see what catches because the people don't come to brands mm. because like tell me what i'm gonna wear yeah sure they do that but they go to instagram for that so as a brand you can do content mm. strategy or you can curate or you can build community in order to deliver that but you can't tell people what to do people are going to tell you what they're going to do with you and then i suppose you need to if you if you uh active you sort of listening to that and adjusting and and feeding back in that loop as people are telling you and showing you what they they really want but most most organizations are not set up for that. So in order to sort of avoid not being set up for that, in order to avoid that organizational sort of uh, 
kind of disconnect between the nimbleness and flexibility that's needed for 2021 and beyond behavior and the organizational structure that are from 20th century, it's much better to start from the beginning and position a brand as, as a multi things you know mm. so i i wish I, I knew what like can you read again what i said i don't remember are you sure you captured that well i'm, I'm gonna now if, if i'm gonna go back to my notes and it could be embarrassing but it, you said that it invites many different <laughs> actions um so i think you were talking about a moment that could potentially get people to behave in many different ways or to engage with you in many different ways well it can be either that or inspire inspire different but i like i think that i explained it like here that uh, sort of like the that 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 nimbleness and flexibility mm. of anything that puts forward that is not one monolithic interpretation but it's pro that's open to interpretation mm. so you you know someone as i said someone is going to take oh uh, from this brand I, i'm interested only in vintage shop others are going to be like oh i like mm, to they have great menswear shirts so i'm just gonna like do the interact in that way and so in, in that sense there is not like oh i'm gonna go there i'm going to buy workwear and i'm gonna like go out it's it's not how people shop anymore at all it's it's they build their own wardrobes the way they want mm. So, so I'm interested. So, so many sort of marketers and brand builders that I speak to, there's almost this not tension, but but the commercialization of it, or the the kind of finances that underpin it all, aren't super important to them. But you've mentioned kind of commercialization and the commercials of these these brands fairly often. Is this something that you you factor in when you are thinking about your brands and how you're building them, and do, do you try and build around the business model for for the products that you're creating i mean can you please rephrase that or uh, what exactly are you after what is the question uh, i'm interested to to know if if kind of commercialization or the commercials or the products that you are creating and the you know you're sort of trying to create this aspiration around this product is understanding the underlying business of it important to you in that that process I mean, of course, like, I, I don't know how would you otherwise sell something if you don't understand what you're selling? Yeah, I guess it's, I think it's um, uh, many creatives don't seem to want to get involved in this, you know, in that portion of it. They're like, I want to make the pictures and do the campaigns and build the desire and engage with people. That's the sort of fun, exciting part. And the business um, side of it is a little bit less exciting or interesting. Oh, you see, but I don't that those creatives are in business anymore <laughs> to be honest because you cannot be creative if you don't understand how how are you going to impact it's not just about communicating it's not just about the brand it's also about commercial objectives so you need to mm. know who, who is it for and I think that is something that, like, that is inherent part of design and creativity is you don't otherwise go to art school like otherwise it's art you just create things because you feel divine calling or divine mm. inspiration to create something you know it's individual creativity when you actually live in the world everything you're creating i don't want to sound utilitarian but at the same time if you're telling a story you are telling a story 
to someone and you're telling the story not to someone as an individual but for a certain community and you are telling a story that is going to inspire a dialogue or inspire action or it's it's going to lead to certain behaviors or it's going to start a dialogue with culture that is it is it a does it refer to culture, past, present, future? Does it contribute to culture? What does it take away? What does it give back? Like we don't live in a vacuum. So in, that's how I see the creative process and business aspect of it is, is absolutely critical. And that's where it really starts to be fun because when you think about vintage shop the pieces we are selecting we're like hey these are the ones that are going to elicit nostalgia these are the ones that are going to really excite someone who is 16 years old and has a mm. depop account you know i don't want this like stupid hawaiian shirt because that's going to excite <laughs> no one you know but even that is sort of that curation is also creative yes. creative act it's more of a systemic approach, like Dieter Ram said. You design a chair within a room, room within a house, house within a neighborhood. That's how I see storytelling as well. But I, I think there's there's some great sort of insights in there. Is, is this idea that it's not two separate two separate things? It's one and the same. And understanding the business and understanding the the, the getting people to that action of ultimately purchasing or sampling or whatever the aim of that thing is is part of the creative challenge or maybe not maybe just like enjoy exactly maybe just enjoying creativity they don't need to mm. buy anything like let's take the commercial out of it the the the, the blatant com- like you know the consumerism out of it even as a brand you have responsibility you participate in culture you're not just an economic entity you're a social entity or cultural entity and that is the important dialogue and important role that brands have. And, and with that systemic approach, it's we need to consider the consequences of our actions because we cannot focus just on actions without considering their consequences, mm. positive and negative. So, so is that the role you see brands playing in our society? Because there's this sort of kind of almost this awakening amongst consumers of sort of trying to understand what these businesses, what are the impacts on, what role are they playing in society? How do you see brands fitting into that sort of societal narrative that's happening now? Well, I think that like it's too much to expect like brands to be ever, you know, like, okay, so now they're NGOs. They're not NGOs, mm. but they're like, they have a, like, you see more and more brands that are becoming B Corps. Mm. And I think first of all, that sustainability is not anymore a choice. It's, it's something that you have to have. So that's like one fact. So that totally changes the role of the brands, how they think about their supply chain, their sourcing, their production, their materials and so on. So that, and also how the, the about recycling and, and, and everything. So what do they put out in the world? That's also that's part of a business strategy. The second part is like the consider communities they they live in, they're parts of for one. And what are they giving back in that sense to society that they take from? They take from labor of people and creativity and imagination of the workers. What do they give back on a sort of a communal level? Like, do you, hmm. do you have any social programs? Do you, do you sort of create uh, some sort of the, the initiative, the charitable initiative or giving back initiative and how you treat your workers and how you treat their families and how, again, go and treat and tackle some of the social questions. So you don't, as I said, you don't need to go and, and become Mother Teresa, but at the same time, that, that is becoming part of the corporate strategy. 
It's not something mm-hmm. that sits into like doing good tab on the website. It is how the brand <laughs> is built. It is part of the brand yes. building. It's part of the PNL profit and loss. And how do you see? I mean, interestingly, like looking at culture and how culture is created, there seems to be this kind of flip flop between you know, in, in kind of the eighties and nineties, it was like subcultures that were sort of creating these upswells. And now it feels like that's flipped a little bit and it's almost like brands and really kind of interesting brands are dictating a little bit of what those subcultures are. Can you talk a bit about how you think brands create culture or reflect culture or how, how do you think about that? I think the big definition of brand is culture and that means that it is internal culture in the organization as a brand what kind of culture do you want to foster and then externally it's obviously how do you interact with the world and we have a lot of those new DTC brands where they have a big disconnect between internal and external cultures. And that is where the biggest, you know, question mark comes because like, oh, they were all about like equality, gender equality and inclusivity. And this is how it actually pans out, you know. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, when you talk about what it's not every single employee has responsibility to to live and to put forward brand values. That's that's for one. And then second of all, as in the part of culture, you can you can take from culture and a lot of brands just take from culture. That's why we have a shitload of stupid ads because they just take <laughs> and they don't give anything back. Don't think who mm. who is going to find this funny, you know? Like who is going to find this interesting? Who is going to find this informative? Who is going to be moved by this? And that's a giant waste on a cu- cultural waste. We talk about a material waste, but cultural waste is like all those ads that no one is watching anymore. And thank God we moved to nonlinear TV, so no one does have to watch those ads anymore, you know, more. But that was we were held hostage by by bad creativity that that was not part of the culture. But then also. <laughs> So when you think about the storytelling, brands are narratives, brands are stories. The same way that mm. products are stories, story experience is a story. That's all we are storytelling animals. We process information through stories. We make sense of the world through stories. That's what culture is. So culture is one giant story with a thousands and thousands sub-stories. So in that sense, it, like brand doesn't exist without story that merge with all other stories. Mm. And if you're part, if you're not part of someone else's story, then you're in trouble. Yes, then yeah, then I mean, I love that that concept of cultural waste. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna add that one to my 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 world narrative. Um, and it mm-hmm. seems like you've got a very wide sort of sense of things, and and I'm very interested to to you know just as my my last question to you, you know, how do you where do you find the inspiration? Where do you, because it, it seems like you've drawing from many different places and pulling it all together in an interesting way and then peeling it all back apart and, and kind of feeding it all back into itself. I think like people, people like, okay, I'll let me talk about myself, not about people. Overall, people should think more. And the way I do things, yes, I take inspiration for basically a gazillion different things, but it's it's the thinking part. It's allowing yourself time and space to think, to reflect. Just reflect on 
what you read. And sometimes that's not conscious. So that means that you give yourself space and time, mm. that empty time. That's why I was saying in terms of achievements and in terms of everything else, it's not, um, it's not really like having to do list and, you know, have, I must have ba- balance now, you know, it's, it's just like a lot of thinking happens in the background and a lot of, like you can see something on the street and then, everything else you were thinking about falls into place or everything as you were not thinking falls into place and you're reminded of something. And there are all those triggers mm-hmm. that, that, that connect the dots. And, uh, and that in that sense is, this is a long winded answer, but there is no one answer. You know, the answer is not to be omnivore and read everything that's out there. Because if you read without thinking, it's not, you're not going to get anywhere. But also like if you isolate yourself from people in the world, you're also not, you know, unless you're Nikola Tesla, you're not going to, you know, come up with like world shattering ideas. And again, it goes back to, to people and their stories and, and interaction. Again, we are social animals. And, and in that interaction, we get ideas and inspiration i mean imitation is one of the key key elements of social cohesion i mean i i like that thought i think it's you know if we come back to that idea of cultural waste i think we we, we live in an age where there's like a ton it's almost like a hose pipe of stuff coming at people um and it seems like breaking from that every now and again and not necessarily just consuming all the time gives you your brain time to almost process some of the things that have come at you so that you you can connect those dots in your head yeah it's important to do nothing sometimes you know to have patience for yourself for others for ideas to unfold really Mm. and i think that we are too rational in the west we don't really believe in that that in doing nothing and i don't believe don't think that we believe in letting patience and letting things of patience is the opposite of efficiency you know so and then we don't really believe in that in, intuitive thoughts and and like i'm not going new age here at all but i think that holistic thinking is a lot of thinking is emotional thinking and i think a lot mm. of best ideas come from deep you know from we didn't even knew that we picked that up so in that sense i brought up imitation because we copy each other without even knowing and that's how we are all recombinations and i think that's such a lovely note to to end on that patience is the opposite of efficiency um and i'm going to oh that we're all recombinations if you're not original that's a truly a lovely thought (laughs) (laughs) i just told everybody like you're not original (laughs) Uh, but anna thank you so much Thank you for the work that you create. Thank you. I mean, we'll link to your to your articles, to your Medium and to your Substack accounts. Uh, there's such valuable thinking in there. Thank you for sharing of your ideas and putting these amazing things out there into the world and not creating um, cultural waste um, in our space. So thank you. <laughs> I certainly <laughs> hope so. I said because the value is in how those ideas are used and to mm-hmm. other ideas that they lead to. So thank you. Awesome. So Anna, thank you for coming on the podcast and we'll catch all of you in the next one. Um, Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We believe that sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who's building a brand or needs some inspiration for their brand, please share this podcast with them. This is our third season and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first one to know when a new episode comes out. Or even better, 
leave us a review and tell the world how much you enjoy listening. This really helps. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork. NiceWork is a purpose-driven company helping people who want to make a dent in the world by building brands that people give a shit about. We're based in Johannesburg, South Africa and serve companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, partner with us or make a suggestion, reach out at www.nicework.co.za. And if you're one of those really old school people, send us a letter and we'll make you a mixtape.